Disco and rhyme. I'm on the hunt down after you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your delightfully annoying and averagely intelligent and thoroughly provocative host, Jake Harden. Um, we've got a lot to get into today, as always. The Super Bowl was uh, a couple days ago. Um, it's pretty exciting, I guess. Uh, it was kind of a blowout. Uh, I got my Miller Lite here going. It's all right. It's okay, beer. Not really a craft beer or a beer snob. Hey man, I'm I'm really into craft beer. Uh, do you have anything with hops and uh, sort of an oregano scent and a pumpkin spice, man? Uh, I have a long beard and a scarf, and I just want to impress my friends with my knowledge of beer and the brewing techniques involved therein, bro. Yeah, not really into that. People that talk like that are a douchebag, okay? So stay away from them. Um, anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Super Bowl was kind of uh, boring, I guess. It was like 31-9. to 9, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Chiefs. And uh, it seemed like everybody was kind of upset that uh, Tom Brady won. And I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan. I think he cheats sometimes and, like, bends the rules a little bit when he needs to. Um, and I, I don't know. I, you gotta admire the dude, though. He's a he's something else. He's a uh, probably the greatest of all time. Still playing hard at 43. Probably more athletic than me at 43 than I am at 23. There's like some people in the league that uh, were in diapers when he first started playing. I remember watching him play against the the Giants in 2007 when I was like in third grade, and uh, David Tyree had that amazing catch off his helmet uh, in the Giants, and Eli Manning beat Tom Brady, and uh, it like uh, upset the Patriots chances of uh, being maybe better than the 72 Dolphins because uh, the 72 Dolphins were one of the only teams to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl and the Patriots were undefeated at that season until that point so they kind of ruined the whole mood for them but uh, yeah I remember that and 14 years later Tom Brady's still playing strong so uh, who knows maybe he'll win 10 rings maybe he'll win 15 maybe he'll be playing when he's 60 and he'll just start collecting retirement from the NFL Anyway, um, even though I don't like him, you got to give him props. Uh, but there was like some backlash there, and people were like, well, he just won because of his white privilege. Like, I saw this one tweet, and it was like, Tom Brady is just the perfect example of another white man put in the perfect situation, and everyone loves him for it. And like, well, he did, uh, he was like a seventh round draft pick and has a pretty ex- uh, inspiring story coming off the bench. Um, and replacing Drew Bledsoe in like 2000 or 2001, whatever season that was, and kind of rising up from a nobody into a somebody. It's a pretty uh, incredible story. It wasn't just handed on, handed 
to him on a platter because of uh, how much melanin or lack thereof he had in his skin. Uh, you got to give him props, and he can't just uh, you can't just use his skin color as something that uh, you do not like him for. Okay, like what, what are we doing here? Um, but anyway, uh, tomorrow they're starting the Trump impeachment, or I guess depends on when you're watching it. Um, maybe today they're starting the Trump impeachment, but they're starting the second Trump impeachment process, uh, going to the Senate trial. And, um, so the charges are that he like incited an insurrection when he said fight like hell at the, when he's talking about like election fraud. And like I've said before, I wish Trump would have like hedged his bets a little bit, like maybe not have been so certain that election fraud occurred because it was never like certifiably proved that uh, those election irregularities took place. Uh, back in November, we talked about a lot about election irregularities and all the things that occurred and all the shenanigans that went on. And um, I, if I remember correctly, I was never certain that it was like stolen, but I was like adamant that we needed to look into those things and it was possible that it could have flipped uh, the entire vote in like Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and Nevada with 173,000 anonymous voters in Detroit, like we talked about, out-of-state voting in Nevada, Pennsylvania, changing their uh, election rules maybe unconstitutionally in Georgia with all the uh, Dominion stuff and uh, sort of like the late-night scandal where they sent people home and then started counting counting ballots afterwards. So who knows what went on in the dead of the night whenever Joe Biden jumped up to a lead at 4 a.m., a lot of questions there, and Trump had every right to question those things. I just wish he wouldn't have said, like, we won in a landslide, okay? It was a big landslide. I won. Nobody can question it. I won all uh, 538 electoral college votes. Joe Biden didn't get anything, okay? They stole it from us 100%. No questions asked. God told me this, okay? It's gospel truth, all right? Um, I wish he wouldn't have, like, been so absolute about everything. Like, there's a gray area there, and it, he could have made himself sound more reasonable if he was like, hey, there's election irregularities here and the media isn't covering it. Covering It It could have helped uh, lower the temperature down and maybe lower passions down a little bit and probably uh, uh, not for certain because the Q people are kind of crazy, um, but maybe it could have changed people's minds, persuaded them not to take violent action, but um, that doesn't mean that he incited violence there. An incitement of violence, like we talked about before, is directly and intentionally calling for somebody to commit an act of violence, and saying fight like hell does not qualify for that standard. People, politicians say that all the time. So if you want to convict Trump with this, then you're going to have to convict Nancy Pelosi for saying, I don't know why there's, I don't know why there's uh, not uprisings in the streets, and, uh, and uh, AOC for saying Ted Cruz tried to murder her. Is that not inciting violence? Like, what do you usually do to murderers? Like, a lot of times they're put on death row. So using that same logic, you're uh, saying that it's okay. Like, that's also incitement as well. But I guess it only applies to Republicans because that's the world we live in today. Um, but anyway, I'm not really true. Truly, I'm not that interested in the impeachment. I mean, I'll probably tune into it a little bit, see what happens. But hopefully the Republicans do the right thing and do not convict him because that would be a dangerous precedent for free speech, regardless of whether you like the dude or not. You can't just impeach and convict somebody because you don't like him. I looked out on Washington Post op-eds today, and it was just like article after article of like, Republicans need to do the right thing and impeach and convict Trump. Uh, Republicans stand with me from Adam Kinzinger. And like, it goes with Republicans too, the rhinos. Um, just because you don't like Trump's personality doesn't mean you can uh, convict him.
And because you're trying to play softball with the media and trying to get them to uh, get your spot in the sunlight for a couple hours uh, and get the approval, the strange new respect from the Democrats doesn't uh, justify your actions. Um, you're just a sellout and uh, and a uh, traitor, a Benedict Arnold, all right? That's what you are. And uh, no writing uh, op-eds in the Washington Post isn't going to change my mind, Adam Kitzinger. Um, but anyway... Moving on from that, uh, I saw a tweet the other day, and I think it was uh, worth bringing up. Uh, I'm not on Twitter, but I saw a screen gab, uh, grab while I was uh, perusing Gab, the social media website Gab. I have an account on there. You can follow me at, at jakey76 if you have a Gab. But I saw a tweet that somebody commented about, and uh, I thought it was worth talking about, and I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, so this was from Twitter. Uh, it says, Quote, being gay is not a sin. Being trans is not a sin. Being bi is not a sin. Being queer is not a sin. A deity that creates LGBTQ plus people to call them sinners simply for being is a sadist and shouldn't be followed or worshipped. Also, that deity is just a projection of your bigotry. So that's like saying, uh, I hate your God and oh, by the way, he doesn't exist. That's basically what that's saying there, but... Um, so no one has said that these things in themselves are sinful, okay? Uh, having homosexual attraction isn't a sin. Feeling like you identify as a different gender than the one you are is not a sin. Like people have said for a while now, uh, acting on those things are sins. So having gay sex is a sin. Um, getting gender reassignment surgery is probably a sin. And I'm saying these things from a religious and moral perspective, not saying that these things should be legal. I don't think that gay sex should be illegal. I probably don't think that gay marriage should be illegal, and I definitely don't think that uh, getting transgender reassignment surgery or cross-dressing should be illegal. Like, you do what you want to do, like, as long as it doesn't affect me, and as long as you don't make me affirm that what you're doing is okay. Just leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. But on a moral perspective, that's a different understanding. And if uh, Anchor or Spotify wants to ban me for this, I think that's very sad that somebody can comment derogatory things about my faith, and then I can't respond to them, Anchor has said that they're uh, for people telling their stories and their points of view, so I hope they hold true to that with this podcast. But anyway, uh, so just existing in one of those categories is not inherently sinful, okay? So that's kind of a straw man, like, first of all. And secondly, God creates all kinds of people, and we all have temptations. Uh, Is someone that uh, commits adultery um, and has the inclination to do so, does that mean that God just made them that way and they can do whatever they please? Uh, if, if someone has like an inclination to steal, like a kleptomaniac or something, does that mean that God created them that way and they're not, shouldn't be held accountable for their actions? And, uh, and finally, like more ironically, uh, does this also mean that someone who has inclinations to be a bigot as you have defined them, uh, does that mean that God made them that way? And, uh, you can't tell them that they can't live their life as a bigot. Who are you to say that? God created them that way. And it would be sadistic of him to say that they can't live their life as they choose. Um, so this is sort of an age-old question. The answer has always been that God doesn't will anyone to sin. But uh, we do have the t- temptation to do so. Not, nothing new. This is nothing I came up with. <laughs> That's uh, why we, and me, and everyone else has to fall on God's mercy when we uh, mess up. And God loves, God loves everybody regardless of their identity. Uh, he doesn't love me more than transgender people, and I'm certainly not 
denying that uh, transgender people are children of God or that gay people are children of God. I think that God loves them just as much as me. And I think that's almost tautological to say at this point. Um, But yeah, God loves everybody regardless of identity and it isn't sadistic to long for the good of his children and desire that they not engage in behaviors that he knows isn't best for us or that will separate us from from him. Moreover, we don't get to tell God what's good and what's bad, as it turns out. That's a misunderstanding of who God is and what the definition of God is and what that word means. God is love itself, goodness itself, and truth itself, and therefore it's impossible for him to be bigoted or sadistic. So the more likely scenario here is that instead of um, it just being a projection of my bigotry because I believe these things, Perhaps it's more likely that it's simply a recognition of the precepts that God has laid out for us in providing a thorough defense of those precepts is perhaps a good thing. Um, and uh, we come to know those things because uh, sort of Tom, St. Thomas Aquinas' five proofs for God, uh, motion, beauty, and all, etc. Um, besides, actually loving someone can involve pointing out where they have gone astray. So to all you progressive Christians out there, that's kind of an oxymoron. Um, if you really want to love gay and trans people and share the gospel, then you have to point out these things. It is tough love, but it is love all the same. But uh, moving on sort of to more uh, fun and interesting topics. Um, I bought some GameStop stock, as you know, and uh I'm hoping I can cash in on that soon. I'm not giving any personal financial advice here. Uh, I am not a financial advisor, and I don't know your personal information. I am just as dumb as anybody else. Uh, But I hope it works out, and I definitely want to help hurt the hedge funds. And I am on Wall Street bets, and I'm trying to figure that side out as well. Um, But hopefully GME goes to the moon. Uh, Robinhood just has been getting on my nerves more and more lately. I read a story. I'm going to pull this up. Uh, This is from the New York Post. Where this kid, he um, it was really sad back in the summer, and I guess the New York Post is kind of reporting on it now because it's relevant. Um, but back in the summer, this kid, let's see, his name was uh, his name was Alexander Kearns from the University of Nebraska, and it said on his a ledger on Robinhood that he owed them seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Uh, and then he committed suicide because he didn't know how he was going to pay that back. Uh, and then, uh, so quote from the New York Post, University of Nebraska student Alexander Kearns, who had begun dabbling in trading, ran into problems on June 11th when the app put a hold on his account showing that he was $730,000 in the red and that he needed to pay over $170,000 in the coming days, CBS this morning reported. Quote, he thought he blew up his life, Alex's dad, Dan Kern, said in an interview with the network. He thought he screwed up beyond repair. And then he, like, stepped, uh, unquote, and then he, like, stepped out in front of a train and committed suicide. And then his suicide note said, uh, how is a 20-year-old with no income able to get assigned almost a million dollars of leverage, worth of leverage? So very sad. He thought he wasn't going to be able to pay it back and his life was over. And I'm not necessarily blaming Robin on, on this, but they should definitely update their, their standards here and say, like, and have some more transparency and uh, be able to say, uh, have their site run better because it has dastardly consequences for people. And I don't think they really care. They only, I think they only care about the big guy on their site and they want to use all the little people as a means to uh, uh, 
be a brokerage site that runs ads and um, help the uh, hedge fund managers and the billionaires. Uh, and Kern's mom, very sad, Dorothy Kern's, she told, uh, I think New York Post or CBS this morning, she said, I lost the love of my life. Very, very sad. And I was trying not to be emotional here, trying to look at it objectively, but it, it's very hard not to criticize Robin Hood here. They could have been more transparent and maybe not have told him that he owed over three quarters of, uh, almost three quarters of a million dollars to them. Um, but here's the statement from Robin Hood. Quote, we remain committed to making Robinhood a place to learn and invest responsibly. Our mission is to democratize finance for all, a spokesperson for the app told CBS. Quote, we designed Robinhood to be mobile first and intuitive with the goal of making investing feel more familiar and less daunting for an entire generation of people previously cut out of the financial system. Unquote. Okay. Are you blind? Are you freaking blind, Robin Hood? This this came out before the whole uh, GameStop rebellion thing, I believe. But are you kidding me? You're for the little guy? You're telling me you want to open it up for people and then you stop trading? Like that's still their had been their motto for a long time, helping the helping the little guy. Hence their name, Robin Hood. And then you stop trading whenever the hedge funds start getting hurt, and people and your customers can actually make some actual money. Like instead of the crumbs you had been giving them, are you serious? Are you, do you not have any self-awareness? You have zero self-awareness. Like what, what is going on in their minds when they make statements like this and continue to pretend that they're for the little man or the little woman? It's insane. Absolutely ridiculous. And the only reason I still have an account with them is that I can't, still can't figure out how to transfer my, transfer my funds. I'm afraid I'm going to lose them, but Robin has lost all of my respect. But, um... I wanted to play another movie game with y'all, uh, transferring away from the depressing things. And I wanted to play, I think we're going to start playing games where we do like uh, the dialogue in movies, like what would you have said, um, and putting yourself in the shoes of the character like we've been doing, and also uh, sort of a uh, spin off on how it should have ended, you know, that cartoon thing on YouTube. We're going to look at movies and uh, try and uh, come up with ideas like, how we would have ended the movie instead of how the director ended it. So I'm going to play, we're going to talk about Star Wars Return of the Jedi today. And I have some thoughts on that. I would have done it differently. Of course, George Lucas is a legend and um, he knows more about making movies than I do, but I still I still think I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion on, uh, on being a fan and helping him make money because I, old, I very much disagree with a lot of the decisions that he made with the Star Wars uh, saga. Um, but I'm going to play for you the ending of Je uh, Return of the Jedi. It's the third movie in the original uh, in the original series. Um, so I'm going to pull that up real quick. Let's see here. Um, so this is after uh, Darth Vader has died, after Darth Sidious has died, after the Death Star is blown up a second time, and Luke is like burying it or uh, cremating his father and uh, Darth Vader turned back to the light side and killed Darth Sidious before he destroyed his, uh, Luke. And then the Rebellion defeated the Empire and freed the galaxy. So this is sort of after all that, so I'm going to go ahead and play it for you. So Luke's lighting the cremation fire for his father. I've always wondered, like, how did he, where did he get all that wood, and how did he set it up so fast? I guess he could have used the Force, but... 
you built a pretty good pyre. celebrations and crap all over the galaxy. or jump around the fire. Banging on the stormtroopers' heads and drums. Force ghosts are appearing, and Luke's looking at the force ghosts. We'll talk about that here in a second. So that was the end of that, and that was the end of the movie. Um, so like with the whole force ghost controversy, like uh, so originally, if in case anybody's not aware. In the original one, they had like uh, Sebastian Shaw. He played um, sort of a revised version of Darth Vader after he like died and joined the Force and became one with the Force. And uh, it was supposed to represent him as an older Darth Vader, as if he hadn't like been in the suit or whatever. I think he might have played. I'm not sure about this. I think he might have played Darth Vader in the suit whenever like the his helmet pops off whenever luke's like wandering around the death star trying to get out of it and uh his dad dies and he like talks to him for a while uh i'm not sure about that but in the original they had sebastian shaw playing the force ghost alongside with uh yoda and obi-wan kenobi and they're like looking at luke and like nodding in approval and just being with him in the moment of celebration but then in like uh, the 2004 uh, re-release, whenever the prequels were going on, 
Um, they put Hayden Christensen in there um, instead of Sebastian Shaw. And uh, I actually like the move. I like the move. I know that's controversial if you're a Star Wars fan, but I liked that they put a Hayden Christensen in there. Um, whenever I was little, I was like, he looks cooler than that other guy did. Like, he looks like a cool uh, Darth Vader. Um, like, I liked his hair, and uh, my hair kind of looks like that sometimes now. Um, but there's more reasons to that, and I think it's because I like it. Uh, other people have said the same thing, but I like it because it sort of, like, reverts him back to before he became part of the dark side whenever he was uh, Anakin. And uh, it shows him whenever he was younger, before he joined uh, the dark side. And he um, has his, like, traditional Jedi robes on. So, like, symbolizes him uh, reverting back to his, his old self. And uh, so it's kind of like a repentance mechanism, sort of. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, some people have said, like, well, Luke never would have seen him like that whenever he was uh he never knew what his dad looked like whenever he was younger and but i think i don't think that's the point i think uh, the point is that um, whenever he joined the force he became like he was in the past whenever he was on the side of good and justice instead of the side of evil and tyranny and the reason that obi-wan kenobi doesn't look younger is because he never joined the dark side in the first place or or yoda as well um so Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda still look the same because they never joined the dark side in their soul, I guess, were, were always pure. But Anakin's soul was only pure whenever he was part of the dark side whenever he was younger. So that's why whenever he joined the Force, it would make sense that he looks like he did whenever he was a younger man. I think it was a good move. That's the only part of the CGI I actually liked. Like the other stuff where they're having like the celebrations in the different planets, like I didn't really like that. I think that was unnecessary. Um, so I probably would have taken that part out. Um, I think they were just like jumping around like on Coruscant and the other planets. They were just like jumping around in cheering. You couldn't even see anybody there. You could, it was obvious. Like it was just uh, CGI added in later. Um, I think they could have, uh, accomplished the same effect by maybe like still having like the fireworks in the sky and having different people from different planets, maybe all celebrating together by that fire. And I never really liked the Ewoks. Like that was so dumb. I think they could have, uh, like formed an ally maybe with another planet or something to take down the empire instead of like a primitive society that used like slingshots and crap. I think that would have been more interesting. I never really liked the Ewok idea. Um, but then it's sort of cool to see him like hugging Leia there at the end and Han and them are all celebrating because they've been through a long journey up to this point. They've had friends die. They've seen friends die. They've been through a lot, been through a lot of near life, near death, death experiences and so it's sort of cool to see them like have a moment of relief at the end and uh, Luke also gets to reconcile with his father so they set out they accomplished what they set out to achieve and it's a pretty cool see, thing to see that come to fruition uh, but that's sort of my take on it think about how you would have changed a return of the Jedi and uh, or if you would have made changes at all and think about if you would have disagreed with me or if you were the director what would you it would would you have done um, but that's all I got for you today uh, we'll try and talk about next time. I wanted to talk about like, uh, sort of more about the Super Bowl and some of the uh, cultural things that happened during it. I think it's worth mentioning. But other than that, uh, I also have to give credit, like the saying, stay snarky as hell, like snarky as hell. Uh, I, I saw that on uh, Tiff. I think it's, she's a lady on Twitter. I can't remember her Twitter handle cause I'm not on there anymore, but it was, her name was like Tiff on there. 
and she said, I'm snarky as hell, and I really like that, so I kind of co-opted that, and uh, kind of, as you know, use that as, as a response to stay woke. Uh, I think it's very much more interesting and much more exciting and not as self-righteous. So, as always, instead of saying stay woke, we stay, stay snarky as hell. This has been Talk for, is for Schnooks with Jake Harden, and I'll see you next time.